0: Good morning. Today's scripture is Romans 14 verses 1 through 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You can be seated. Today's missionary is Life Choice Pregnancy Center, so let's take a moment and lift up their needs before the Lord. Father, I thank you for Life Choice. Thank you that we have that ministry here in Cheyenne. I pray for your blessings on them. I pray that you would provide for them and protect them. I pray, Lord, for their fundraisers to be effective, that you would just um, bless them abundantly, I pray for many lives to be saved, both the babies' lives and the souls of their mothers. I pray, Father, for um, the uh, training of volunteers and also for their medical mobile unit. You would just bless all that they venture to do. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning. The first service, every, oh, our power went out, so hopefully it doesn't happen this time. And if you're watching on the live stream, and were, was watching, you were watching in the first service, hopefully it doesn't happen. Again, it was, uh, it was fun. Not really. Uh, so it's good to see you all. How are you handling the heat and the smoke? Good? No, I didn't think so. I woke up last night, or last, yesterday morning, and I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, the air quality's not good, I can already tell. And uh, it wasn't. So Could be worse, though. Could be living in Colorado. Just saying. We had friends who, uh, who hung out with us yesterday to celebrate my, my birthday. It's early, so it wasn't yesterday. But, uh, but they came up, because he's, he's actually uh, in... Denver today with riot gear on because we're expecting riots. Uh, so he came. He they came up yesterday to hang out with us and uh, yeah we were commenting on on different stuff. But there's one. Uh, I got an early Christmas gift and not Christmas gift birthday gift. See, I, have, I went to bed late too. So <laughs> and not because of anything. I was smoking. Um, I'm just saying. No. <laughs> So I got an early uh, birthday gift of a, a shirt, and on the shirt it had a floppy disk, it had a VHS, and it had a cassette. Now I was gonna wear that today, but then uh, I thought I could just take it out of the package and wear it, but it needed to be washed. So I didn't wear it, but on the, on the bottom it said, never forget, and I thought, oh, that would be so appropriate for, today, for like this sermon, uh, because here, here's what I'm thinking. One, again, we're, we're dealing with Romans chapter 14. I couldn't think of a better passage to be looking into uh, in light of everything that we're experiencing in our world. The one thing, that, the, the, the one fear that I have is that we will forget how to interact with one another in a healthy way. Because right now we're just afraid of humans. I mean, we're afraid of humans. <laughs> and uh, it shouldn't be that way. And so I, I wanted to wear that shirt and couldn't. But I wanted to share with you an article that I came across, and it was not so much about the to highlight, the reasoning why the article was written in the first place. So I'm going to read an excerpt from this article that was published last week. I was on a Zoom call recently with 10 pastors across three denominations when one of the participants shared a struggle with suicidal thoughts in these challenging days. Okay, So the title of the article is, Too Many Pastors Are Falling on Their Own Sword. By the time the meeting concluded, four of the ten had found the courage to admit their own suicidal ideations. I was the youngest person in the group, so these aren't young, green pastors. These are veterans who have gone through plenty of difficult things in their time, but today's intensity and difficulty is unprecedented. And he goes on to say later in the article, he said, One pastor shared the heartbreaking story of going back to church too early and losing a beloved church member to COVID-19. Another shared how congregants were daily emailing him with threats to leave the church if they didn't reopen immediately immediately and withholding their tithes until then. I know of another pastor who wasn't in this meeting, who after preaching about race one week, a congregant came to the church office and kicked his office door off of its hinges in an attempt to incite the pastor into a fistfight. One shared uh, that the survey results the nearly perfect about whether they should return to in-person worship or not resulted in a nearly perfect 50-50 split with several members writing in the comments section that they would leave if the church, one, didn't open immediately, or two, attempted to open at all. Leading anxious congregants amidst a pandemic, a hyperpartisan culture, a civil rights movement, and an, un, uh, and an upcoming election is destroying the lives of pastors, literally. Now, I share that with you not because that's the way I feel. My hope is... Uh, my hope that the, these pastors, these ten, four out of these ten pastors, is is the rare exception. Like that, this is not common. I actually was sharing with with the friends that we were hanging out with yesterday just how blessed you know, our family is to be a part of Meadowbrook. I mean, you guys rock, and those of you watching the live stream, you rock. I mean, I I, I, I love being your pastor and and how you've embraced me as your pastor has been awesome. But I've been in churches where, and I've, and I've had conversations with pastors where that was not the case. Uh, a church that I pastored a long time ago, it, I, was, I saw Christians at their worst while pastoring that church. And so when I read this article, what came to mind was not Meadowbrook at all, but what came to mind is that there's a systemic problem in the church that, and, and the, the cause of that problem is the same, is the same root cause for, you know, rioters burning down buildings, um, you know, the, the political divide in our nation and, and so many other things that, that, that we're seeing around us that cause us some level of anxiety. The problem is the same, and here, here's what the problem is. The root cause of this is Pride. Pride. Uh, and Paul addresses pride in chapter 14. What was going on, what most likely was going on, is that when Christians, when Christians would gather together, for some Christians, there are certain things that bothered their conscience that didn't bother the conscience of other Christians. So in this context, uh, these Christians were coming out of uh, rampant paganism. I mean, that was the norm for Rome. And, and one of the practices was that the, there was animals that were sacrificed to idols. And then after that whole worship experience was over, that meat would be sold at the, in the marketplace. And for some Christians, it bothered them because that's where they came out of. They came out of that. And so they wanted nothing to do with that kind of meat. They didn't want to eat it. They didn't want to touch it. And there are other Christians who saw that as, well, it's just cheaper, and it's, you know, I, I can afford it. And the fact of the matter is, is that God created those animals, and so it belonged to God in the first place. So it doesn't really bother me as much. And, and that's just one example of many examples in the church where Christians were coming together, and the danger was for those Christians to look down upon the other, you know, other Christians whose conscience was bothered by, certain, by things that, that other Christians weren't bothered by. Um, we've seen this all throughout church history. You know, for some, Christians are not bothered by... You know, it doesn't bother their conscience to have a beer. For other Christians, it bothers their conscience for very good reasons. Like, there are things that some Christians shouldn't go near, but that doesn't mean that other Christians can't, can't go near those things. And I'm talking about areas in the Bible that are gray. So uh, so I just want to unpack this. There are, two, there, there are really two points, I think two truths, two realities, two lessons that come out of Romans 14. And the first is this, is that we, are, we tend to be more judgmental when we are less humble. And that's what Paul, he, he reminds these Christians. He says, look, God doesn't need any help when, when it comes to a person's conscience. Like, you don't need to guilt trip anybody to, to, you know, to obeying God. God. God can handle that. And when it comes to matters of the conscience, you're not the Holy Spirit. Like, the Holy Spirit will, will do the work of the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that, there are, there are areas in your life that you, and you know what they are, there are areas in your life that you know uh, God has placed upon your heart that you're not to participate in, in, in those things. But what the danger is this: is that when we take those things that bother our conscience, we make that the, the, the litmus test, or we make that the list that we have to hold every other Christian to. So if a Christian, so if I have, if I if my conscience is bothered by by having anything that ha- to drink that has alcohol in it, and I see my brother and my sister in Christ having a glass of wine or or a beer or whatever. Uh, to, to judge that person as being less of a Christian than me, and vice versa. And, and so that's, that's what Paul's addressing here. And w- the one thing I want to make very clear is in verse 1 when he says, uh, when he writes, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. He's not talking about a new baby Christian. What he's talking about here is that the one whose conscience is bothered by certain things and abstains, from, in this case, from eating meat that was sacrificed to idols, the reason why he's doing that is because he wants to honor God with his life or her life. And for the Christian whose conscience isn't bothered by that, the reason why he or she is living out their faith They're living out their faith out of a desire to 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 follow Jesus and honor Jesus with their lives. There are things in the Bible that we're told to not do, like sex outside of a marriage, outside of marriage, adultery, uh, getting drunk is a sin. So uh, you know, like I was in Colorado for 14 years, and and I was asked the question: Now that marijuana is legal, is it okay? And I would say, and my answer to that to those people was no. Why? Because it's an immediate high. I know, I used to smoke it before I became a Christian. Like, I know. Um, there are certain things that we need to stay away from. And there are certain things that we should and shouldn't do out of our love for one another. And so, so Paul's not talking about weak, like, like baby Christians versus mature Christians here. He's, he's talking about matters of the conscience. Look at verses, if you have your Bible and you're following along, look at verses 5 and 6. He says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains how? Why? In honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. Uh, we've got some lessons in the church to learn from this. And this, the principles that come out of uh, chapter 14 and how we should relate to one another, uh, there's no limit here. Like when it comes to, you know, offending one another, it's the same thing. Like, we're like our love for one another and our understanding of who we are. In, in, before God should shape the way we treat, for, treat one another that's why Paul later on reminds these Christians, there's a judgment coming every single one of us will stand before the God of all creation and we will give an account for the way we live their lives and for some of you God has placed on your conscience to abstain from certain things that he has not placed on the conscience of other Christians and if you go against your conscience, that's sin for you so for some of you having anything with alcohol in it is sin. For others of you, it might be stuff that has sugar in it. Maybe, maybe it's the kind of music you, you listen to or, or don't listen to. So that's what Paul's addressing. And I, I came across a statement that I thought sums things up pretty well. Because every culture that the church finds herself in, there are certain taboos. <laughs> that affect the conscience of of certain Christians. I'll read this statement. Wide disagreements exist today in our churches over certain practices. A Christian from the South may be repelled by a swimming party for both men and women, then offend his northern brother by lighting up a cigarette. At an international conclave of missionaries, a woman from the Orient could not wear sandals without a clear conscience. A Christian from Western Canada, though, uh, or thought it would be worldly for a Christian acquaintance to wear a wedding ring. And a woman from Europe thought it almost immoral for a wife not to wear a ring that signaled her status. A man from Denmark uh, was pained to even watch British Bible school students play football, while the British students shrank from his pipe smoking. you, you get it? I mean, it's a little dated quote, but... I mean, there are places in the world that you can go where, after church, the elders gather in a room and light up a bunch of cigars and and, and have a scotch like I mean, and, and it doesn't bother their conscience, but in America we 've got other things that bother our conscience. i shared in the past some of some of my experiences with with that. My conscience is not bothered by uh, by the consummation, or consummation, consuming alcohol, like drinking alcohol. But getting drunk is a sin. And I know as a pastor, there are certain people I will not have anything that has alcohol in it in front of. Why? Because I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I have a responsibility to not place a stumbling block in front of others. And then the stumbling block here uh, also means... Don't use what bothers your conscience as a license to mess up the fellowship that you have with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Does that make sense? Um, like, Christians should hold short accounts when it, comes the, when it comes to what other Christians do that bother us. Really, anybody that bothers us, we should hold short accounts. It doesn't mean you have to be a doormat for Jesus, but it does mean that how we respond to others, especially when it comes to matters of conscience and if we're offended by somebody, by something somebody said or says to us, that we should always remember, one, there's a judgment coming that I'm going to have to stand in front of, you know, before the God of all creation, and then two, I've been forgiven much. Like Jesus Christ died for my sins on a cross for things that I did that were much more horrible than, than anything that anybody could ever do to me. And so I should be one of the most loving, gracious people on planet Earth. Does that mean that I am? No. But, but we should be. So, uh, so Paul says in verse 12, he says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Um, so that should be our practice. That should be the way we behave. It would uh, I have a friend who, who's, on, who's our worship arts pastor at Missio de Fellowship, And he, his conscience was bothered by not viewing and celebrating Saturday as the Sabbath. That doesn't bother my conscience. I'll go for a, a ride on my bike, or I will do yard work, or you know, Saturday is my day to just get your stuff done. Uh, Sunday and Monday, uh, half of Monday, like half the day on Monday, is my, my time of rest. It would be very unloving for me to, to put a guilt trip on my friend Ryan, like showing up one day on a Saturday to his house and, and guilting him into helping me work on my home. Um, because of anything I've done that I did in the past for him, and then at the end of the day offer him a ham sandwich, <laughs> right? That would be bad. That's not lo- very loving. In fact, when I hired Ryan to be our worship arts guy at Monsieur de Fellowship, I, he, I said to him, I said, Ryan, I will never ask you to do anything that go, goes against your conscience. I, 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 I try to share that with, with anybody that works with me on staff. I will never ask you to do anything that goes against your conscience, uh, for anything, so so Ryan, there were certain days where you know he would did not participate in church events because they were held on a Saturday, uh, especially during the timing of the day. I hosted UFC parties, which maybe for some of you that goes against your cons- conscience didn't go against my conscience, and so we would host UFC parties, and I invite I tell the guys in the church, bring your friends, and I would invite our neighbors, and we would have this big UFC, this big gathering at our house. And I would make, uh, on, on multiple occasions, I made Philadelphia hoagies, which, if you know anything about Philadelphia hoagies, every meat that's put on that sandwich uh, went against the dietary laws of the, of the Hebrew people, which, right? So anytime Ryan came over, you know what I did? I made him a turkey hoagie for he, he and his family and his kids. Why? Because I love Ryan. And, and I don't look down upon Ryan, and he doesn't look down upon me. In fact, we had a conversation leading up to me bringing him on staff because we had known each other for, for years before that point, and I think either he asked or I asked the question, what is keeping us from working together? And we looked at each other and like, like nothing. Like we can get past the stuff that bothers our conscience. And so the root... The root cause for I, I, this unity in the church, uh, the kind of judgmental spirit that, that judges a person for not being Christian enough or, or, or too much of a Christian or whatever, is, is pride. But secondly, here's a second lesson we get from chapter 14. When we are humble, we're able to love more. I probably should put a little, you know, I should have said more freely. I think when we're humble, we're able to love more freely. Now that doesn't mean we, we, we gloss over sin or, or we don't speak the truth in love. Because if you really love somebody, you're going to speak the truth in love to that person. Like you, you will speak truth. And, and you, will, you will call a person sin out you know one-on-one, like if you really love them, in a grac- gracious, loving way. But if you know, if you genuinely understand who you are in light of who God is, and what you have been forgiven of, that will humble you, and you'll be able to love more freely within the church and to love your neighbors uh, as as we're called to love them. Uh, The seminary I attended, uh, the name was Biblical Theological Seminary, now it's Missio Seminary. They had a motto uh, that you would hear repeated every time the seminary was advertised on Christian radio, and that motto was, we major on the majors, and we minor on the minors, which I really liked. And what did, it, what did they mean by that? Well, we major on certain things. That these are the hills that we as a seminary are willing to, that we're going to die on. Like, we will die on, on the hill of the inerrancy of Scripture, that it's 100% true. We're going to die on that hill. We're going to die on the gospel. The gospel is salvation by faith alone and Christ alone, Period and that uh, Jesus died for our sins, he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the grave. We're going to die on that hill. Like, I, you get the point. Um, that God is a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to die on that hill. Uh, there are certain hills, those are the hills that I'll die on. There are other hills that I will die on too, that marriage is between a man and a woman. I'm going to die on that hill because it's in the Bible. That's why I'll die on that hill. Um, there are certain hills... That I'm not going to die on. You know what they are? They're the (laughs) minors. Like, uh, if if I have a friend or brother in Christ or sister in Christ who is offended by me having a beer, I am not going to have a beer in front of them. Not because I think that they they got to get over it and that they're a weak Christian. It's because it bothers their conscience. I'm not going to make a ham sandwich and. Trick, uh, trick my friend Ryan into eating it. Why? Because I love him, um, and that's what Paul's talking about here. We should extend the same grace that we receive from Jesus to one another, and and here's here's I think the rub and kind of where we find ourselves, in like in the context that we find ourselves in, what I'm seeing happen in some churches and amongst Christians is that. Christians are either shaming other Christians because they wear a mask, saying, oh, you're afraid of COVID, you're wearing a mask, or Christians who feel like everybody should wear a mask shame Christians for not wearing a mask. Like, this is the kind of stuff Paul's talking about here. Some of the stuff. Like, 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 whatever bothers your conscience, that we should love each other enough to respect one another and not look down upon one another. That's just one example of many. Like when the world sees us, they shouldn't see Christians who are at each other's throats. They should see Christians who genuinely love one another. That they, when they see the church, they should see what love looks like—genuine love, love that's not afraid to speak the truth, and love that's 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 willing to you know cause you to to roll up your sleeves and serve one another in a in a genuine way. And that's why Paul says, he says, look, therefore, verse 13, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Like I will, I will never, for those of you watching the live stream, like I will, I, I will never shame you into trying to make it back to a, this building. Like that's, it's an issue of conscience. Those who, who want to be, you know, who who feel like they can be here, and those who feel like it's not, re- they're not ready to be here. Those are issues, I think, of conscience and where, and where people are at, and just emotionally, and that's okay. Like we we should afford people as much grace as people need. Um, so Paul says, don't don't put a stumbling block in front of people. Like don't look for reasons to to cause division amongst one another. Us, Here's one. Ready? Uh, assume the best instead of assuming the worst with people, especially your your brothers and sisters in Christ. Especially your pastor. <laughs> like I don't know all things. I'm not. I'm not God. I'm not a, omniscient. There's a big one for you, right? I, I'm not. And I'm not all. And I'm not all wise either. I, I, some of you have already learned that. Um, like I, I'm like you. <laughs> I'm playing my part. And my role in the body of Christ, just like you are, and uh, and so we're we're in this together. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to disappoint you, and you're going to disappoint me. And so that doesn't mean we roll up our sleeves or pick up our toys and you know roll up our sleeves for a fight or pick up our toys and leave. That's a thing that this I, I don't get. I, I've been a pastor for I don't know how many years, a while. I've never been able to offend by something when a Christian has built relationships in a church and is offended by something either the pastor said or something somebody did in the congregation that they just decide, oh, I'm leaving now and break fellowship with everybody in the church. You know what the root cause of that is? Pride. And we live in a world that's upside down and nuts right now. And what the world needs to see is love. Godly love. And it begins with the way we treat one another. You know, there's a poem I came across, and uh, I, to my shame, I, I, I kind of lived by this creed early in my Christian experience. I remember being... Okay, so I, just some context. I used to have long hair when I was a teenager, And I used to listen to all kinds of uh, heavy metal bands, Metallica, Anthrax, ACDC, all those guys. And then I became a Christian. And the first thing that bothered my conscience was the music I was listening to. So you know what I did? I took all my tapes, cassette tapes, uh, and I put them in a pile, and I had a big hammer, and I destroyed them all. And I felt good about myself and about my relationship with God for doing that. You know what I did? I held everybody else that would call themselves a Christian to that same standard. Like, everybody should listen to Striper and Petra and destroy all their secular music. And <laughs> if you're a good Christian, that's what you would do. So I was, I was uh, plugged into a youth group, and we were in a in, in van going to someplace to grab something to eat, and the person driving the van had a secular radio station on. And you know what happened? I'm like it's on. I, I, I'm gonna, I, you know, you you all need to repent and turn this this stuff off. Like that that was me. Uh, but if you look at my my uh, iPhone and look at my my music list and you go to like worship, or no, workout set one, you know, when I go to the gym, you know what you're gonna find on it. Well, you'll find Chris Tomlin on there. You might find Rich Mullins or somebody, but you're also going to find Led Zeppelin and some other, some other guys. You want to know why? Because my conscience isn't bothered by some of the things that it used to be bothered by. But there are things, there are things now that my conscience is bothered by that, weren't, that wasn't bothered then. The gray areas. I'm not talking about the black and white areas. The gray areas. And as the church, we need to recognize what are the minors and what are the majors. And so here's this poem I came across. I'm going to share it with you. And I ask, is this the creed that we're going to live by? Believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right and no one else confess. Feel as I feel, think only as I think, eat what I eat and drink but what I drink. Look as I look, do always as I do, then and only then will I fellowship with you. Which, I mean, we laugh because like that's, well, Jesus didn't tell us to do that. Or we're going to live by this creed, something Jesus said, and let's read it together. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. We're going to stop there for a second. How are we to love one another? Just as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Like, think about it. He went to a cross in our place. For our good and for the glory of God. So he says, So just as I have loved you, you also, let's read it, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Like, amen? amen. Okay, now you just said amen, so now let's live that way. Right? And how, how we treat one another. And if there's somebody that you've offended, that you think you've offended, you know what you, should, you ought to do right after this service? Do what Jesus told us to do. Leave the altar and go to your brother that you've offended and make it right. And, 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 um, so if, and if you've been offended by somebody, because sometimes people, like I've offended people not knowing I've offended people. And so if you knowingly, if you know of somebody that you offended, I know it's uncomfortable to go to them because they're still like angry at you. <laughs> go to that person and ask for their forgiveness. I mean, we who have been forgiven much ought to also forgive much. That also means not ignoring the wrong that was done to us, but just restoring the fellowship by sitting down with that person and lovingly and graciously engaging that person and and restoring that relationship. The beauty beauty of this friendship that that, um, Bill, my friend Bill. Uh, I, was sharing, I was sharing with another family that was with us. I said, here's the amazing thing. Like I was c- celebrating my birthday, and, and at Northwest Baptist Church, Bill hurt my feelings. Okay, so pastors have their, they get their feelings hurt too, and they don't respond always in the right way. And so Bill hurt my feelings. And I probably said some things to Bill that hurt his feelings. And our, our families, we, we vacationed, we did everything together leading up to that, everything. Christmas, Thanksgiving, everything. And uh, Bill, we, we stopped communicating after I started Monsieur Day Fellowship, after I planted Monsieur Day Fellowship. Do you know how many years went by without us communicating? Eight years. And so when it came towards the end of my uh, role at Monsieur Day Fellowship, I was sitting, I literally, I remember this, sitting in front of my laptop thinking, should I or shouldn't I? If I invite them, how will they see it? Will they think that I'm being arrogant? Or will they really see it for the way I really mean it? And that is, I really want my friendship back. And so I sent them an invitation. <laughs> Bill commented last night. He said, yeah, when I received the, the invitation, I, I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, is this real? Is this a joke? <laughs> so they came to my farewell, the farewell service where I delivered my farewell sermon. Uh, they invited us over for dinner um, shortly after that, like that week. Nathan came over. Nathan and their daughter, Maddie, were, Nathan was five. When we met Bill and Tanya, and Maddie was six, childhood friends, you know, we laughed. I mean, typically, what happens every time we gather together is that we laugh until we cry. As if we just, just, and uh, we laughed and laughed and cried like tears of laughter. And then when we left, both I think Maddie said the same thing to her parents, and Nathan said the same asked the same thing of us, and it was, "What took so long?" Why did it take you so long to make things right? And so Royman and I, uh, I don't know who reached out to who, but we we said, we've got to meet up. We've got (laughs) to, let's clear the elephant. We we went in the the room, so we had ice cream together, just the the adults. And we cried, and we we asked each other for forgiveness. And... uh, And that's the family that we spent our vacation with, the last vacation that we went away on. Um, Life is too short, like I said last week, to hold grudges and to not make right the relationships that we have amongst one another. We're going to stand before Jesus one day to give an account, and I think part of that will be regarding how willing were we to forgive one another. Because the sins Jesus died for on the cross for my sins, the sins I'm guilty of committing against Jesus are far greater than any sin anybody could commit to me. Right? And I just hope that at Meadowbrook Church that we will be known as one of the most loving, grace-experiencing, grace-filled, gospel-centered churches in the city for the glory of God, and for the good of not just one another, but the good of people who so desperately need to see what love looks like. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace that we've experienced. Thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives. God, in this crazy time, you are doing an amazing work in our lives, and also in our nation. We might not be able to see everything, but you, you're sovereign, and you rule, and you reign, and you, you've got a plan for this nation and this world. And, and we're just so thankful that for us, there is no condemnation because of our relationship in Jesus. So God, may we be the most forgiving people on planet Earth for your glory and for the good of Cheyenne. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.